Hello, and welcome back to the Buffalonian Podcast, Betting on the Bills. Uh, I am your host today, uh, Dom Loss, and I am actually joined by the side chair as the producer, Mooch. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. Happy to be here on the December 30th. You know, not, not our typical recording day, but is what it is when you're on Christmas break, kind of get late starts today, and here we go, La- last pod of the year. Kind of, kind of stunning to think about that, but here we are previewing the Buffalo Bills hosting the New England Patriots in kind of a must-win-ish type of game. Again, kind of the opponent and still a lot of at stake for, for the Bills' playoff hopes, even though they are now risen from, I believe they were as low as 15% at one point, all the way now to, some people have it like in the low 90s, some people have it in the 80s. Otherwise, it, it just, it's good stock right now, good stock right now, but... Mooch, what are you what are you looking forward to most about this this rematch from the week seven game in New England? Yeah, well, I think it's funny that both of us, when we started the show, have that first matchup in week seven in front of us uh, because of just how distu- disgustingly putrid it was as the taste in our mouth for uh, us Bills fans. You know, the Pats have won only a handful of games, and it's embarrassing to say that one of those games is against a team that really shouldn't be losing to the Pats. Uh, and you know. Looking at the stat line, it just the game was ugly from start to finish. First play from scrimmage is interception. They let Mac Jones go down the length of the field. I think that the Bills snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, and I, I think that with some cleaner play, it'll be a much different result. Yeah, I think you know when you look back. Well, first off, I think the Bills are actually playing uh, you know 4D chess, and everyone else is playing checkers, uh, allowing the Patriots to win a game. So now the Patriots are four and eleven, and they currently are the I believe the fourth pick. The fourth pick, which would and if they would if they would have lost a game to the Bills, they would have been the second pick, if I'm not mistaken. So technically, that's some 4D chess right there from the Bills to allow the Patriots to win a game, so they don't get a top quarterback and still make the playoffs potentially. But nonetheless. kind of <laughs> half kidding. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> half, that's a good point. Half kidding, but. When you look at the game from last, you know, early this season, the the Patriots didn't run the ball particularly well with their running backs. The two, top two running backs combined for 65 yards on 20 carries. Obviously, they got that end-of-round play to pop Douglas for 20 yards, but the Bills did a good job on, really, the run defense, which you think would be the most problem against New England because they want to run the ball. But Mac Jones, 25 for 30, had his highest pass rating at 127.7, and I think the thing that you remember the most about that game is his average depth of target was about 3.4 yards, which is pretty putrid. Uh, so the Bills just did a horrific job tackling. They did a horrific job on the screen game, which we all know the Bills, are, for whatever reason, just get killed on screens. Um, so I, I think that's really the biggest you know, key to the game for the Bills is Zappy, ever since he's taken over, ranks 29th in the NFL in average depth of target. He's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire league since he's taken over. I would assume this they're not the Patriots aren't going to like change their game plan so much and just start you know chucking the ball down the field. It's going to be very similar to Week Seven. And well, I think that the Bills' defense has obviously improved from that moment. Um, it's still a challenge to make sure you could do it against this team. Yeah, and something that I'd like to point out actually in the ebbs and flows of this Bills season, this was kind of the beginning of a tailspin for the midseason for the Bills because. They're coming off of that win against the Giants that was way too close. And frankly, if you're agreeing or disagreeing with the call, it very well could have been a loss, which would have been back-to-back losses following that Jacksonville defeat in London, at home, of course. 
And that's where the Bills lost two of their key pieces in Matt Milano and Daquan Jones on defense. And so I think you you began to see a little bit of a shift in what their game plan was, missing those two talented players. So going on the road and facing this New England team was the beginning of a tailspin for this team finding their identity. Um, and it's just interesting to me to see how different Buffalo is going into this matchup. And it gives me a lot more hope. I, I think that going into the Pats game in week seven, you said, how are they going to miss Milano? You know, you got Terrell Dodson, you got Dorian Williams, who's going to be the linebacker. I think they've kind of not figured it out per se, but they're a much more confident team than they were out of that tailspin against the Giants and Jags. No, I would agree. I think, you know, going into that matchup, there was the question of who was starting a linebacker and they were still kind of, you know, going back and forth between Dorian and, and Tyrell Dotson at this point, and my, uh, I'm really not the biggest Tyrell Dotson fan. He has played significantly well, especially against the run. So I think that, that that's a big change, but it's all about can, if the Bills can tackle in space because the Patriots got pass plays at 33 yards, 19 yards, 26 yards, 34 yards, 25 yards. I mean, that's just that's just ridiculous for this, you know, the you're not, it's not like you're facing, you know, I don't want to say the Chiefs anymore, but it's not like you're facing the Dolphins or who are just a supreme explosive passing play. So I, I think that would be the biggest concern. But offensively, it just starts to what what are they going to do? I think the biggest question coming into this game, I want to see your thoughts, is how much more are they going to run the ball compared to passing? Because under Joe Brady, the, the five games, now we have a five-game sample, they've run the ball more than passing. Now, if you take away the Cowboys game, I think that's probably an important. It's more closer to 50-50, but really... You'd want to pass the ball 55-45% of the time, maybe a little bit more than that, You know, just to drop back, especially when you have a drop-back quarterback like Allen. Now, they've ran the ball successfully, but I think you saw maybe a little bit of that problem against the Chargers of them maybe leaning a little bit too much into the run game and then having to go into second and long and kind of having to convert third downs because you didn't, you know, you're in second and long, so... What 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 do you what would your ideal percentage of run versus pass be for for this Bills offense to optimize their if most efficient? Yeah, you know, so all the things you've said make a lot of sense to me, especially in Joe Brady's scheme and how he likes to utilize the run. What I don't like about this Patriots team is that I think their two best defensive players by far are Christian Barmar and Devon Godchow, and they've been pretty good at stopping the run this season. I'm not a huge fan of running against them with Leonard Fournette. Uh, and James Cook off that Chargers game didn't look great. But again, we, we also have to remind ourselves what happened the week before in that Cowboys game where he absolutely took over a game. And you'd want to see that. You'd want to see a game be, you know, utilize the run and take the ball out of Allen's hand just to take what the defense gives you. But I think we're also forgetting that this rematch um, from Week 7 uh, was actually the coming out party of Dalton Kincaid. So... Dawson Knox's last game before, you know, really going on the IR was that Giants game. And you could tell that something wasn't right. He had some drops in that game. And Dalton Kincaid came out, eight receptions, 75 yards. He led the league, led the league, led the team in receiving yards that day. And even though Stefan Diggs didn't end up with a touchdown and James Cook did have a receiving touchdown of his own, that was really the first time we saw what our first round tight end was going to look like. So I think that there's benefits to passing more. Mm -hmm. uh, especially on both sides of the ball. Simply, what, what I mean by that is I'm not comfortable with running against those those powerhouses they have at DT on that D-line. Uh, and I know Kincaid is a different player this week because he's maybe banged up and maybe digs as well. I'd like to see a little bit more pass than run, though. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, 8 for 8 on targets and receptions for Kincaid in Week 7. Knox played and had that crucial 4th down drop, and that was kind of like he needed to get surgery on that wrist. Diggs kind of had a 6 out of 12, not a great performance. Davis only had one catch on 5 targets. So I think it's an interesting game from the perspective of the pass catchers really need a bounce back. Other than obviously, I think Kincaid had a good game and Cook three catches on three targets for 46 yards and a touchdown, as you alluded to. So I think getting the running backs involved will be important. Um, especially if uh, Jabril Preppers is not going to play. He's questionable for hamstring, didn't practice all week, and then he got a limited practice uh, yesterday. So for me, it's about if the Bills can dominate the middle of the field. That's crucial for this offense. They were able to do it pretty effectively in Week 7 at times. I think they're, you know, it's it's one of the easier throws, and maybe to get Diggs more open in the middle of the field, get some yak. Maybe we could get Kincaid going a little bit because he's I don't I don't know if to say struggling is the right word, but he's obviously has his production dip, not just because of Dawson Knox, but because of injury as well as you alluded to. So I think that's crucial. Then before we go into the injury report, I would say Josh, you know, if you look at his stats in the game, two sixty five yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, he had that interception on the first play as you alluded to with Jabril Poppers. Um, also, ten, quote unquote, had a fumble loss. So good for all those turnover machine merchants, because uh, that didn't really count. Because I mean, that's a lateral play. Um, I actually can't. I think Diggs has a fumble loss too because of the Jacksonville one, if I'm not mistaken. I thought he had the fumble in the, the Pats game. He didn't get charged with that fumble. You know, Diggs Diggs got charged with that fumble in the Pats game on the uh, on the final lateral play. Which one? I believe so. I th- I thought Diggs got charged with that fumble. No, I think I think Diggs got charged with the fumble with Jacksonville. Oh, the way, the way. If you look at his numbers, you would have thought he had like an all right day. But really, I think Josh had his, one of his worst days of the year because of his inability to play the quarterback position efficiently. Uh, he was on, you know, Bill Belichick really took him to the woodshed. You know, with his, with his pressures, uh, Josh checking out a bad, good plays to bad plays, um, not being incredibly accurate with the football. So it really wasn't a great day from Josh and. This is prime Ken Dorsey era too, so maybe with Joe Brady and a new look, uh, you know, a new headspace. Josh, no more of this little positive BS. More, I'm gonna run you over, MFers. Kind I of. Think, Josh. I think I'm back. Yeah. I'm not saying the word he said, but I think I'm back during the Jets game. Yeah, term more Terminator Josh. Um, I think we'll get a new, 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 brand new speaking new Josh Allen. Uh, obviously, he's off the injury report as well, as we're going to dive into that in two seconds uh, with the shoulder. So, obviously, he must be feeling a little bit better. But, yeah, I think Josh having a little bit more of a bounce-back game from the quarterback position, getting digs involved, I think is going to be cr- – the passing game involved is crucial, and just tackling well uh, is going to be crucial. Also, obviously, I think this goes about I, – I say this every week when they play these, these teams that aren't very good, and they always seem to do it. So, I feel like a little bit of a jinx, but I'm just going to say it. You can't have a special teams gaffe. And he can't turn the ball over. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what they did in that Chargers game that you're referring to, I'm imagining. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, special teams gaffe that really turned the tide of things. In fact, I believe that special teams fumble by Deontay Harder was the only touchdown drive mm-hmm. for the Chargers. And, you know, the Bills defense held up well on those drives, holding them to only field goals. So I think it's, it's iconic that the special teams gaffe that you're so adamant about is uh, the only touchdown drive that put the Bills in danger in that Chargers game. Yeah, I think that that leads to you know kicking field goals, making your field goals, solid punting, solid return game, um, as they didn't have in the Chargers game, and then obviously, um, 
just turnovers in general. I mean, they had three last game, just unacceptable, especially one by James Cook on the first play of a drive, which basically gifted them three points. As you alluded to, Josh, another bad interception, gave them good field position, pretty much gifted the Chargers three points. So I think for the Bills, it's about you know playing complementary football, and they got to be able to do that in order to win the game. I, I just remember that Tyler Pass missed a field goal against New England. Um, I completely just remembered that off the top of my head when I was talking about field goal missing. So uh, it was 42 yards. So, yeah, hopeful for a bounce-back performance. But let's go into this injury report. Uh, talking about the Bills, looking fairly healthy. Uh, a couple guys missed practice here and there. But Ty Johnson seems to be returning. So we'll see if Leonard Fournette gets elevated for this game. Maybe he still does, and they scratched Tavius Murray. Tavius Murray didn't get a touch um, last game, and even Leonard Fournette got the goal line, so we don't fully know there. Uh, you know, Micah Hyde returning, so it's good to have the veteran back, but hopefully I didn't think we were ever going to see him again because of that stinger issue. Uh, kind of a similar situation with Brock Purdy's dealing with in San Fran. Of just, you know, it's the second stinger of the year. Uh, so already having that neck injury from the previous season is definitely a scary sight. Um, but other than that, maybe we get AJ. Maybe I I love that. I don't think so. Um, I know we had the full practice on Friday, but uh, it just seems like it'd be a wiser idea to wait one more day, one more day, one more week, and let that rib heal up a little bit more. But obviously, the bigger question is Daquan Jones, <laughs> the return. What do you, what do you, what do you think he brings to the lineup now? Maybe probably not. definitely not at a hundred percent, but even with 70 percent, Daquan Jones. Yeah, no, I love Daquan Jones. Uh, I'm so excited about his return. I think that, you know, if there was such thing as a quarter season all pro, I think that Daquan Jones would have earned it. Um, he was absolutely dominant in those first couple games, that Washington game, that Miami game. He was mm-hmm. a game wrecker. And it was really unfortunate seeing him go out because you could really see the tailspin that the defense had after that Jags game. You know, we alluded to it earlier that, they lost in that Jags game. They almost lost to the Giants at home. And then they did lose to these New England Patriots that we're talking about. And it was because of the losses of Milano and Daquan Jones that this defense kind of had to figure out what their who their, their, their leader was. And Daquan Jones, he brings in double teams. He takes on blocks. And he elevates the games of the people around him. And I think Ed Oliver himself has had a good season. But, man, I really just want to see a healthy Daquan Jones with Ed Oliver. Yeah, I think it's a... You know, a bonus star that Oliver has been able to have an eight and a half sack season with Daquan playing four and three snaps of a fifth game. Um, you know, we talked about this when they all went down, all three. You know, Trey White, Daquan, and Matt Milano was. I just didn't feel like they were going to be able to replace all of them. But it's really a credit to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. I mean, they replaced Trey White with Douglas. Yeah. Douglas. They were able to get the best out of Tyrell Dotson, which didn't seem possible, seeing how awful he played in limited duty last year but maybe the you know not the middle linebacker position but the the weak side linebacker position is more of his style and he's played well and even that you know one tack while it's been incredibly you know frustrating uh with the inconsistencies they've gotten at least somewhat some production from you know Puna Ford last game had a nice game I thought Tim Settle had his best game of the year last game against the Chargers uh, getting Leval Joseph, who's ha- had a positive impact eating up blocks in the running game, maybe not getting on the stat sheet, but doing you know, little things that we wanted Stardler too late to do. So I think they've been able to obviously not get the production of those three players back, but they've been able to, I think earlier when we played the Patriots, as you alluded to, 
they were really hurting because Dazen wasn't playing his best football. They didn't know what to do with him and Williams. The one tech position was still kind of struggling. Cornerback, I mean, we had Benford. We had Dane Jackson. It wasn't going smooth, per se. I, I also thought Terry Johnson played a really bad game uh, last time they played the Patriots, which is one of the rare thing to say. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to have Daquan back. You know, he demands double teams. Um, he's been very good against the run and the pass, uh, eating out that. And I think that's the biggest thing is that from that one tech position, they've never, they just haven't got that consistent pass rush. I think they've been kind of all right, maybe playing the run, but just pass rush rise. I mean, obviously Puna Ford had that nice spin move, but um, and Tim Siddles had some flashes, but they just haven't got that consistent, you know, guy that you had to worry about rushing the passer and getting Daquan back. Will definitely open up everything, you know, when they had to pin their ears back with Ed and Floyd and Greg and hopefully Vaughn. But other injuries, uh, Demar Hamlin's questionable uh, with that shoulder injury that he suffered on special teams. Uh, other than that, very pretty healthy for the most. Obviously, you know, not wish we could have Matt Milano back, but you know, we can't have nice things. Uh, looking at the Patriots. Oh man. Patriots just are, their injury report just makes me so mad because it's just so many people and it's like illness and whatever. But um, Kyle Duggar, their dude all safety, missed practice on Friday. He's questionable for an illness. I assume he's going to play. Uh, Zeke seems like he's going to play. Juju's the only one that's actually out, out. Um, there's just a lot of people that are questionable that seem like they're just going to play. I, I, I just don't really know who to say. Is out. A lot of these guys have all been limited throughout the week. Uh, I think the only one that you know we alluded to earlier that may be probably out, who's questionable, is Jabril Preppers with the hamstring injury. Didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday and was limited Friday, so I bet he's probably a m- more than a week, not more than a week, but probably more likely a week away. Everyone else I just assume is going to play. I mean, it's the Patriots. I have no idea. Yeah, no, you, you never know what Bill's thinking. And when I look at this Patriots injury report, I think of in those like cartoons where um, – you know, they they unravel the scroll and it just keeps going and keeps going. Yeah, that's kind of what this injury report looks like to me. And I think it's funny that you mentioned that it probably isn't all that. You know, you got nine questionable players, one that's actually out, and at the end of the day, I feel like the majority of them, yeah, they'll play. Um, but all these names that are on there are pretty big names, and even if they'll play, it's still big to see so many impact players for the Patriots be even listed on the injury report. I know one can make the argument that Josh Allen was on the injury report for so long, but you know, you're missing, you know, I'm not missing, but you're seeing starting starting linemen, so many defensive pieces, a couple of wide receivers and offensive weapons, and as you alluded to earlier, you know, Kyle Duggar, um, Jabril Peppers, you know, those are that's a safety tandem right there. Mm-hmm. And you gotta think about how the Bills are gonna attack those weaknesses if those players aren't one hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's that signals a big game from the tight ends and maybe the running backs. Obviously, they've used them a lot off the backfield. Didn't use them that much um, against the Chargers. Uh, I'm trying to make sure. I don't. Yeah, I didn't see Dalton Kincaid on the injury report, so maybe he's getting healthier. I don't know. Um, but definitely, it will be an interesting game. But let's let's hit into these. The you know who do you think is going to be the X factor, and then who do you think is going to be the player of the game? Yeah, so I guess I should say first, my X factor without a doubt is Stefan Diggs. I think that a big narrative of the Bills offense these last couple weeks has been what's up with his usage, what's up with his role in the offense. They've found ways to win without him. It's it's honestly even kind of funny too when you look at Diggs' stats with just just simple win loss in the schedule, where when they were, you know, winning and losing a couple games, his 
stat sheet was packed. And now that they've won games, they've been winning games without him. I do think that he's necessary in this New England game. I think when we talk about Stefan Diggs on the Bills, I always think back to some crucial catches and plays that he's made against the Pats. Uh, my favorite one being the you, 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 you touchdown. And so I think that with all these questions regarding how they're going to utilize them and how Joe Brady can use his receivers, I think that Diggs will be the X factor in the Buffalo Bills getting a victory today. Yeah, I think that's a quality answer. I'm going to go with the tight ends, Knox and Kincaid. Uh, they had nine catches for 85 yards in the first matchup. I think with a healthier Knox, I mean, maybe the health kind of yeah, balances eight, out. Eight of those eight of those being Kincaid, yes. Those, but I, I just think there's going to be matchups underneath the Patriots zone that I think the Bills are going to be able to take advantage of. And um, maybe we'll see the first 100-yard game from Don Kincaid. I don't know. But I, I think there's a potential that both those guys get touchdowns. And I think both those guys will have big games underneath the, the Patriots defense. And I guess with the running backs as well, potentially. But I just think tight end-wise... Uh, it, there should be some big games, especially as you alluded to with the safeties kind of both being kind of banged up or, or feeling under the weather per se. But uh, going to your player of the game, I guess I'll start with this one. I, I think I think the Bills' defense got embarrassed. I mean, again, Mac Jones probably had his best game of his career, I mean, totally his best game of the season, and he didn't really even do that much. That was incredibly impressive. And I thought Terry Johnson, as I alluded to, had his worst game of the year. And I, th- I think he bounced back in a big way and gets a gets an interception or forced fumble, for, causes a turnover, has a more sound game. I think the whole defense plays better, you know, tackling and also playing at home. I think will have a big impact, and um, I think he'll get a, a, a turnover and a sack because Z- Bailey Zappi, well, he hasn't really turned the ball over that much. Has had 13 sacks in his starts, uh, you know, his last couple starts. So I think they got some pressure. I think Terry gets a sack and an interception. For the, for the boys. No, I like that. And, you know, in that same vein, I'm going to pick another defensive player uh, that also has a name beginning with T. I'm going to go with Toa Bernard. You know, he had a fumble uh, recovery in that Pats game, a pretty key one too. And earlier in the season, right before that Week 7 game, you know, he was making splash play after splash play. And it's not that he hasn't been doing that, but I would love to see another splash play from him here in this Pats game. I'd like to see him take advantage of Bailey Zappi, who – I was thinking about this earlier. How many times the Bills even played Bailey Zappi? I don't think that. I think every Mac Jones era Pats Bills game was Mac Jones. I don't um, recall if they've ever actually played Bailey Zappi. No, they haven't. So I would love to see Twelve Bernard get a splash play, whether that be a punch out fumble or a big sack. I I want to see the Trell Bernard that played in that Week Three matchup versus the Commanders. And I know it's a different team, but I'd like to see that kind of dominant performance. So I'm gonna go with Trell Bernard. Can't really go wrong there. Um, Bernard also had a big sack uh, against the Chargers. To, well, you would have thought to get them a tough field goal attempt, but it seems like every kicker makes every kick against the Bills. But who knows? You know, Chad Ryland, um, he struggled last week. Obviously made the big 56-yarder, so maybe he's down. Um, down to miss a kick, I don't know. That's that's the tough part about being a Bills fan. seems like every field, opposing field goal was gone this year, and T-Bass has been... I don't want to say unreliable, but up and down is probably the right word. But well, he was he was uh, the goat Bills kicker until we called him that on the podcast. So that's true. That's, that's why true. we refrain from doing special team shoutouts anymore with Sam Martin and Tyler Bass uh, falling off after we give them their credit. Mm-hmm. A brief weather uh, right before we do our picks, we'll do a brief weather. <laughs> uh, Thirty-seven and cloudy, so not too bad. 
Uh, there doesn't seem to be any precipitation, obviously, later in the day, but the game's at 1 o'clock. It is actually the first 1 o'clock game since the Patriots came in Week 7, so uh, good for us there. Uh, as people that, um, as I am, a pro 1 o'clock stand, uh, that is very exciting. Yeah, not not many of them this year, huh? Uh, no, not at all. Well, yeah, I think the Dolphins game was 1 o'clock, the Commanders game, the Raiders game. I don't know, a lot of them are 1 o'clock, but time for the big score predictions. Uh, the Bills are up to a 14-point favorite with an over-under of 40. Um, so I think Vegas is looking at this to be kind of a 24-10 type of game um, in that aspect of it. And now that we are back from our brief, uh, not technical delay, but we had a guest star come in, uh, my father, JTL. Uh, making his first appearance on the pod. Uh, how, how are you feeling? Feeling pretty well. I just came in because you're uh, broadcasting in the office here, and I was getting the checkbook, so I get ready to pay you guys' tuition for the year. So <laughs> happy to be on the pod. Happy and, and happy holidays to the rest of us. Um, so obviously the Bills are 14-point favorites. We went over our players of the game. Mike picked Terrell Bernard. I picked T- Taron Johnson. X-Factors went digs in the Bills' tight ends. Who were your X-Factors and players of the game uh for for the Bills in this game, well, I think the X factor is, is is against Stephon Diggs. Even though you're doing this by audio, I'm wearing his jersey. <laughs> um, the Bills' uh, passing attack hasn't been very good in the last four games, and although Stephon Diggs has had a number of targets, Josh Allen's passer rating over the last four games is in the 50s when he's targeting Stephon Diggs, and the Bills' receivers also have a pretty high drop rate in the last uh, four games. So it's time for Stephon Diggs to uh, to come to come back and uh, be the X factor. Would he also be your player of the game? Well, I, I went back and forth on that, but I hear a lot about let James cook, but I don't think it's going to be let James cook. I think it's going to be let ja- let Josh throw. <laughs> so I'm going to go for the easy one for, for uh, Josh Allen here, you know, kind of balancing out since the, the two of you pick defensive players. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Bills wide receivers have struggled the last couple of games, and Davis last time against the Pats, one catch for six yards, so. I don't know. I don't know about that, but fourteen point favorite. Do the Bills win? And then I guess we could do a alternate one. Do you think the Bills are going to win by fourteen points or more? Well, the Bills are going to win, no doubt about it. Okay. Do you think they? Do you think they're going to win by more than fourteen? Yes. What's your score prediction? Well, I I looked into the history here and I saw that uh, Josh Allen has beat Bill Belichick thirty eight to nine and also beat uh, Bill Belichick uh, in the perfect offensive game, 47-17. to 17. So it's been going up 29 points, 30 points. So this time I'm predicting a 31 to nothing shutout. Bold. And I love it. Very bold. I'm trying to think of the last time. The Bills won a game recently, 31 nothing. So it's not Bill Scorigami is what you're saying? No. We've got to get a Bill Scorigami going. The Bills actually beat the Patriots and Bill Belichick 31 to nothing mm. one time. That's what I thought. Well, they, went, they beat him in, like, 3 oh, 2 wasn't that, the Sam, wasn't that the Sam Adams pick six big man rumbling? Not sure. I can't remember that far back. <laughs> I, I can only remember going to Niagara University for the electric company, uh, you know, uh, training camp. So I can't, I, can't get that, I can't get that far back. Although I'm excited to see... Uh, Alex Austin uh, returned to uh, to Buffalo, so the mm-hmm. seventh round draft pick who's waived and now is a Patriot uh, defensive back. Well, it didn't seem like he had a very good uh, Saturday because uh, you know 
the Notre Dame Fighting Irish killed his uh, alma mater, uh, Oregon State. Beeves. The Beeves, 40 to 8. That's score again, if I don't say so myself. But, Mucha, what's your score prediction? Yeah, you know, my score prediction is on the record officially 28 to 14. I think that it will be 28 to 7 until the Bills pull their starters. Um, and so I do think the Bills win by 14. Exactly. So a push. So a push, correct. Um, but yeah, I think Josh Allen gets going early. I think he gets a score early. I think, you know, Bailey Zappi and the boys, they might get a touchdown in that first half, maybe make it a close-ish score at halftime. But I really think that Josh Allen and his offense are on a different level than when they were in week seven. And they're going to be out for revenge. They know every game is a playoff game. They got to go 1-0 and each week. And I think they're going to come to play and win by 14. Yep. So I I had the score twenty four fourteen. I think this is going to be a close game until the fourth quarter. Um, listen, the Patriots are really bad. I mean, I, I, you can make a question that they're worse than the Chargers. I, I, you know, they're both the same caliber team. But I just there's been too many evidence, so, so much evidence this year that the Bills just for whatever reason cannot get out of their own way when they play really bad teams. Play down. Yeah, to keep them in the game. So. I think they're going to keep them into the game until the fourth quarter, and then the Bills are going to get that double-digit lead and kind of just sit on it. So I, I think a very enthusiastic 24-14, you know, we're going to get under the 40-point total, and the Patriots are going to cover the spread. Well, I'm just glad that the three of us are, uh, you know, the World Wide Web, WWW for the Bills here, and then we can all agree on that. Well, I mean, who would be picking the Patriots in this game? No, fair. No, I guess who would be picking the Patriots? Who would have picked the, Patriots in, this, in Week 7? That's true. That is true, but... That will do it for our score predictions. We'll briefly talk about what we wanted to have happen uh, for the rest of the weekend. Um, you want to stay on for that one, JTL? Sure. I'd love mm-hmm. to, personally. You want to run it? You want to say, what, what, do you, what do you think is the most optimum, obviously, a Bills win, and then if Pittsburgh loses and the Bengals lose, the Bills would be into the playoffs. Do you think anything else happens that... Goes the Bills' favor, or is, or is that all you're rooting for for this? Uh, you know, keeping it simple. Yeah, keeping it simple. Just rooting for two teams to lose, or you just. Well, actually, you can root for the Jacksonville Jaguars to lose as well, because there's five there's five different scenarios on this week for the Bills to clinch with a win, uh, and I'm not counting tie scenarios. Um, and of course, the Bills play at one o'clock, and every scenario has the Bills having to beat the Patriots, but that also at one o'clock. You have the Houston, you hope the Houston Texans lose. You hope the Indianapolis Colts lose, um, and that you hope the Jacksonville Jaguars lose, and then that opens up the four o'clock window when you hope that both the Steelers lose and the Bengals lose. So there's five different combinations that are there. I mean, obviously, if the Bills win, let's start with that. Steelers lose, Bengals lose, Bills are in. Um, you know, there's also possibilities with Jacksonville losing. Uh, as well, and possibilities with Houston and Indianapolis. So if two out of those three teams lose, um, Steelers, Bengals, and Jaguars, the Bills are in the playoffs. And we certainly don't want to, to go have the Miami game count for the playoffs because, as you're probably going to, uh, you're aware, uh, if the Bills could go into that, if the Bengals win out, the Steelers win out, the Bills beat the Patriots, and the Dolphins lose to the Ravens in that final week, final game, uh, the Bills are either going to be the number two seed or they're going to be out of the playoffs, and we certainly don't want that. <laughs> yeah, that would be a little too much stress. Uh, yeah, going but, all in there, huh? But 
obviously Thursday, the Browns took care of business against the Jets, uh, clinching the playoffs, and now they're even still a potential chance for the one seed. So I believe that eliminated the Bills' chances of being the five seed. I might be wrong on that, but I don't think they have the tiebreaker over the Browns. I think you're correct. Um, so that eliminated that possibility. But if it's one, three, and five, they can't be off the top of my head. I don't think they could be the force. I don't know. Well, I don't think they could be the. Force I don't think they could be the four seed because if they they go eleven and six, there would be ahead. Well, well, I still don't know because if they win the if they win the division, they're ahead of the Chiefs because they would both be eleven and six at their max. Mm-hmm. So they could not be the four. They could not be the four, five, or one. They could be the two. I said I don't even know that they could be. But they can't be the three seed because they have the tiebreaker advantage over the Chiefs. And the four seed would be the Jacksonville Indianapolis Houston division, and they already have seven losses. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So, so it's two six or seven, or out. <laughs> <laughs> but going into the other games, Lions Cowboys were rooting for the boys because uh, they beat the Cowboys, so it's just strength of record. Who cares? Giants Rams rooting for the Giants who beat the Giants. Niners Commanders rooting for the Commanders. Don't look, you know, those two don't look very likely, but whatever. Dolphins, Ravens, uh, we will be rooting for the Dolphins. Um, I think this, I'm sorry, we're rooting for the Ravens, excuse me. I do think this gets interesting, though, to your point about the scenario where it's two and out, is that if the Ravens win this game, they will be the one seed. And there could be potential where the Ravens just rest their starters in Week 18 against the Steelers. So that could be an interesting scenario. I guess Ravens-Steelers, I doubt the Ravens are going to play that any. I mean, they would probably want to beat the Steelers. They beat them earlier in the year, but... For the division purposes, obviously, if Miami wins uh, or ties, um, it's over for the Bills' chances of winning the division for the fourth straight year. But then, who knows? We could still play them in the playoffs. I do believe that it's kind of highly likely that they play the the Dolphins in the first round, but there's still chances that that could happen. Uh, Most likely, the chances of that happening is if Buffalo is the sixth seed and Miami is the three seed. Uh, because uh, the Dolphins don't have the t- the Chiefs actually have the tiebreaker on the Dolphins uh, with their head to head victory, so there's potential the Chiefs could be the two, the Dolphins are the three, and the Bills are the six, uh, and they play each other. But then obviously Bills Pats rooting for the Bills, Cardinals Eagles. I have a rooting for the Eagles because the Bills played them. Saints Bucks rooting for the Bucks. I don't know, I'm kind of just rooting for the Saints for that. Pit. I'm I'm just done with the Baker Mayfield mania kind of you know. You're a Baker hater? Not a Baker hater. I just think it's gotten a little, you know, as you alluded to, JT, it's ups and downs, and it's a little too far up for my liking. But uh, Raiders, Colts, rooting for the Raiders. We beat the Raiders. This is the bigger type of game, Panthers, Jaguars. This is kind of a, a the, the swing game of how the week's going to go because the Jags do kind of, if they lose, really do help the Bills a lot. Uh, Texans, Colts, it. Texans Colts don't help the Bills that much unless both teams kind of lose. If one team loses, it still leads a lot of scenarios because they play each other. So obviously, the team that won this week could potentially still get to that ten win mark um, next week. No, they play don't don't play each other this week. Okay. The, the Texans play the Titans, and I can't remember what, the the Colts play the Raiders. So if the Colts win and the Texans lose, it doesn't. I'll, a lot helped the Bills because the Colts could just beat the Texans in Week 18 and get to 10 wins. You know what I'm saying? 
Well, you, there won't be Trevor Lawrence this week. Yeah, that's true. That's true. CJ Beathard show there. CJ Beathard, and that's why it's only a four point spread. Bryce Young just put up uh, why probably had the best game of his rookie career so far against yeah. the Packers. Yeah, and the Jags defense is like vulnerable. So yeah, that, that really the Jazz game is the key game of the AFC South to really look at. Uh, obviously, the the Texans are going to get CJ Stroud back against the Titans. Now they're at home. They already beat the Texans. They beat the Titans two weeks earlier with Case Keenum. So I. Don't know how favorable that will look for the Bills, but maybe C.J. Stroud's a little rusty. Bears, Falcons, um, that's just like the definition of a nothing burger for us. Um, burger. Trying, yeah, not, I don't even know what, yeah. No, no. Uh, Steelers, Seahawks, obviously rooting heavily for the Seahawks. Uh, seems like Mason Rudolph is going to get the start for the Steelers, even if Kenny Pickett is healthy, so that should be exciting. Bengals, Chiefs, obviously rooting for the Chiefs, which is kind of just unfortunate to say out loud. Um in Arrowhead, so hopefully that impacts Jake Browning to have a. You mean Burrowhead? Or Browninghead? Browninghead. <laughs> uh, Chargers, Broncos. Rooting for the Chargers because we beat the Chargers. We didn't beat the Broncos. Packers, Vikings is. Again, nothing, that doesn't matter. Nothing burger? As one would say, nothing burger. So obviously, the easiest way for the Bills to make the playoffs is to win out. Um, but it is nice to potentially have options if the Bills happen to fall in one of their next two games, really mostly just the Week 18 game. So so I guess the question for the two people here is, do the Bills clinch a playoff berth in Week 17? Absolutely. Okay, Mooch? Um, I'm, gonna, I'm on the fence here. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think that the Chiefs have looked very vulnerable, and if we're talking about the three things that need to happen that are most likely to happen – being a Bills win, which I think will happen, a Seahawks win, which I think will happen, and then a Chiefs win over the Bengals, which I, think, which I still think will happen. I I don't feel 100% confident that the Chiefs will take care of business against Jake Browning. Um, so I'm, so do you I, I think I think the Chiefs break of the three of them. I think the tre- the Chiefs won't get it. So do you think then that replaces with the Panthers beating the Jags or no? I don't think the Panthers will be able to beat the Jags, right. even if it is led by C.J. Bathard. JTL, what's your... Uh... What's your path? I'm going to take uh, the Steelers losing. I'm going to take the Texans losing, and I'm going to take the Colts losing. <laughs> because I still don't want the Chiefs to make the playoffs. So, you know, Denver can still win the division. The Raiders can still win the division, too. And so can the Raiders. So I'm still rooting for the, the Chiefs. Well, if the Colts lose, the Raiders win. So, so then they'd be a game out. That's actually an interesting scenario. I just think this is going to be, um, think this is going to be an easy-as-pie type of game. I think it, I think they will clinch. I think they'll take first of all. I think they're going to take care of business against the Pats, uh, and then I think it's a tough place to play in Seattle, uh, especially for Mason Rudolph. Um, so I, I think that's a tough matchup for the Steelers, and then also you know, with the Bengals, I just think Arrowhead's a different beast, and I just I think Jake Browning got a little bit exposed last week against the Steelers, and the Chiefs have won the best. You know, defenses in the entire NFL, and Mahomes. I mean, come on, Mahomes and those guys aren't going to be up for that game. I, I think it's an easy scenario. I do, also, I, I agree with Mucho. I don't think the Panthers are going to beat the Jags. <laughs> do you think the Panthers are going to beat the Jags? Well, with uh, Trevor Lawrence out, there's always a possibility. Um, and think about the fact that the Bills lost to the Jags in the Urban Meyer era. So anything's possible in in the NFL. Any given. Sunday. So are you gonna pick the Panthers or 
you, you scapegoat this to get it around the question. Around the question. No, I, I didn't pick the I didn't pick the Panthers because that would have been the scenario that the Steelers lose and the and the Jaguars lose, and I don't think that's going to happen. You think you think the Steelers are going to beat the Seahawks? I think the Steelers are going to lose to the Seahawks, and the Jags are going to beat the Panthers. Do, do you think Cincinnati is going to be? Oh, you do think Cincinnati is going to beat Kansas City? Yes. Dad thinks they're going to miss the playoffs, Tom. Yes, my 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 pick is uh, Steelers loss, Texans loss, Colts loss. Then how confident are you that the Dolphins are going to lose the, the the Ravens? Very confident. Really? Well, Jalen Waddle's out, and they're playing in Baltimore. Um, and you know, as you know, Dom, you picked Lamar Jackson preseason to be the uh, the MVP of the whole league, and I think he's going to have another great performance against uh, the Dolphins. And I, again, having the Ravens at home is a, is a big advantage. Well, you do remember the last time the Dolphins played the Ravens in Baltimore? Uh, yeah, early in the season. Last year, two or three for four hundred and sixty-six yards. I think some revenge is. I I agree. I think I think the Ravens will get the job done. Last question before we head out of here: If the Bills win two games in a row, is Josh Allen the most valuable player in the league? We'll start with Mooch. Yes, yes. I should make the caveat that he plays statistically well as well. Yes, I think, I think Josh Allen would have the perfect mix of. Stats in winning, because assuming that he wins next two games, you're saying he's going to put up decent stats. I'm not saying he won't throw a turn, have a turnover in there, but even that say he does, I think he has such a lead on Lamar Jackson that if you want to argue that Lamar Jackson earns it because he's the one seed, if Josh Allen ends up the two seed with that much mm-hmm. better stats, I don't think there's any way you cannot give it to him. the The gap between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson in touchdowns is so much larger than the gap between Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco. That's all I have to say. If you give this war, this this award to Lamar Jackson, you're setting a precedent that it's not based off of who plays well. It's just the quarterback on the best team. So, yes, Josh Allen will win the MVP if he wins out. I agree uh, that Josh Allen will be the MVP. Sorry to your uh, Lamar pick, no, down. but And the reason I say that is, you answer the question at the end of the game to win the game this season, because I think Patrick Mahomes isn't playing well. Who would you, who who do you want to have the ball? Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to say it's Josh Allen. And look at how many game-winning drives he's already had this year, and how many game, you know, where he even got the team to lead, and then the defense couldn't hold on. He's tied for second with those losses against New England, Denver, and Philly, which would have counted as game-winning drives if his defense held on, and he's still tied for second. And look at, uh, he's already has 11 games with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown, uh, an NFL record. In fact, he, you know, he's extending his own NFL record mm-hmm. uh, in that respect. And so with Josh Allen, I think that, uh, you know, and, and to Mike's point, uh, Josh Allen would have gotten the Bills to be the number two seed. Uh, and... I think that would be extraordinary. When they were six and six, nobody would have thought that. And he's just basically put him on his his back uh, and carried him forward again. I would agree. I think. Well, I guess the question would be also if you added that, what scenario would be a higher chance that he wins MVP? If he wins two games and they win the division, or if they win two games and they don't win the division? What I mean by that is, if they win two games and win the division. That means Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC. If they, he wins two games and he doesn't win the division, that means that the Dolphins beat the Ravens in Week 17 and 
Lamar still might be the one seed because of, you know, what would happen in week 18, but he would also, Lamar then would have another loss on his record. So I guess if, I, I think it's interesting if the Ravens go 14 and three, I think that's going to be tough for Josh to overcome that just because I think the media bias of the turnover machine and kind of the quote unquote losses that the Bills have on their record because of Josh and that all the, I mean, winning 14 games is impressive even without the stats. So which scenario would you think would be better? No, that's a great question because you're right. Depending on whether Josh Allen's team is the two seed or the six seed is really indicative of what happens in that Ravens Dolphins game. Um, I think that the two seed at the end of the day is the most realistic chance. I don't recall a time where the MVP was on a team that was a wild card. Um, And even so in modern day NFL, you know, there does need to be a combination of winning and stats to win the MVP. Now, Lamar Jackson can go out there and beat the Dolphins, you know, 20 to 13 and his defense gives him, five takeaways like they did against the Niners, which I think in that regard, I I guess off track here from that Niners game, if you told me Lamar Jackson won that Niners game, I'd disagree with you. I think five turnovers, let's call it four turnovers because one of them was against Sam Donald and, you know, that game was pretty much wrapped up by then. But four turnovers that gave Lamar a great field position. You know, Lamar is a great player and extends plays and is incredibly talented, but he is too far behind in yards he's too far behind in touchdowns he doesn't throw a lot of ints and he doesn't turn the ball over a lot which is good but you know who else doesn't turn the ball over a lot right now you know uh case keenum who's been a backup most of the year so i I guess my argument for that is you're gonna turn the ball over when you throw a lot josh allen throws a lot he scores a lot well, it's important for two, well, two things actually is that there, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are close in turnovers, but the yards thing I will say, Lamar is I think about twenty yards shy of Josh Allen's total yards. I think when you allude to that, you mean pa- like passing yards, correct? Because Lamar I think has like about three hundred to four hundred more rushing yards. So, I guess the question would be is if the Bills don't win, if even if the Bills went out per se and they they don't win the division, it is Josh Allen done as the MVP? Like, does he have to win the division to be the MVP? I think he does. So even even so even if he like has two really good performances, the Bills win, they go eleven and six, they're the sixth seed or whatever, you wouldn't give him the MVP. I wouldn't. But I want him to be the MVP because oh, of the, because of the Madden curse. That would be fun. But no, well and last question last thing I just had to make a statement on is that uh DeMar Hamlin is the comeback player of the year. If they want to make a most improved player of the year, I think that'd be a cool idea, but like Come on now. I, I said it earlier. You know, the comparison between Joe Flacco and DeMar Hamlin is Joe Flacco sucked last year, doesn't suck now. DeMar Hamlin died, is currently not dead. I think that if we're going to talk about this story of pray for DeMar and how the entire NFL world came together on a scary primetime Monday night football game and everyone, even if you weren't a Bills fan, you were a DeMar fan. And if you're going to tell me that DeMar Hamlin survives and plays a snap and he doesn't end up winning comeback player of the year, even if he hasn't played at all, and in those times he's played, he hasn't been good. I think that if we're going to talk about this story for years to come about how amazing it was for the NFL to come together 
and you say, oh, well, surely DeMar Hamlin won Comeback Player of the Year because he came back and continued his NFL career to some extent. And you say, no, they gave it to Joe Flacco because he came off the couch and, and carried the Browns. And I think Joe Flacco is an amazing story. But Joe Flacco didn't die. This is a bigger award than football, and DeMar Hamlin's story is bigger than football. Well put, Mike. I believe that DeMar Hamlin uh, will be the comeback player of the year. Uh, although there is a certain part of me that would hope it would be Joe Flacco because to realize that the Jets had the quarterback that, <laughs> that they needed all along um, is pretty – is richly ironic. But DeMar Hamlin uh, is the comeback player of the year, uh, and Joe – uh, Flacco is the couch potato of the year. There you go. Well, he beat out Justin P for that award. Well, actually, it's kind of funny that Aaron Rodgers is, what, 38, 39, and Joe Flacco is the same age. Who would have thought that, that the Jets would have kept Flacco, had kept their other 38, 39-year-old quarterback? They might be in the playoffs. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Buffalonian Podcast, Bidding on the Bills. Uh, I'm Dom Loss. I was joined by Mooch, the producer under the mic, and the special guest star, my father, JTL. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And how do you always end these down? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills.